Today with me, I'm back with my co-host, Jack Vandermater. Welcome back, Jack. How we doing? We are glad to be back after a little hiatus. It was a bit of time, but we have some Browns to discuss, Jack. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Coming off the bye week. Unfortunately, we lost that game to the Raiders going into the bye week, but we're going to discuss all that and more. So without further ado, let's hop right into it. And before we hop right into it, we have a message from our sponsor, Manscaped. Support for the Hottest Take Sports Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HTSP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the code HTSP. We've been working with Manscaped for a while now. They're a huge help to us, um, and they have great products. I've been using everything they've sent us, honestly, almost every day. So that helps us out a lot when you use the code HTTPSP at checkout. Yeah, thank you to Manscaped. And let's hop into our first half recap, Jack. The Browns went 5-3 and three in their first eight games, and they're currently sitting at third in the AFC North. Sitting at third in the AFC North right now, like you said, we're one spot out of the playoffs. I definitely think with the remaining schedule that the Browns have, they can surpass some of these teams that are ahead of them. Yeah, for sure they can. And the seven teams that are ahead of them right now are currently Miami in the seven spot, sitting at five and three. Las Vegas, who beat us two weeks ago, sitting at five and three. Baltimore, who beat us by a lot in week one, sitting at six and two. Tennessee at four, sitting at six and two. Buffalo at three, sitting at seven and two. Casey sitting at two at 8-1, and one, and Pittsburgh at 1, sitting at 8-0. and oh. And the Browns will face three of those teams in their remaining schedule, Jack. Baltimore and Pittsburgh again, and then you get to go to play in Tennessee. Yeah, so like you said, those three games are really the hard, hardest games that, we're, that the Browns have left on their schedule. Um, the Browns have not been great against good teams, um, and their, you know, two of their three losses have been by 31 or more. But I think there is still definitely hope in, in the playoff race, at least, because at 5-3, and three, the Raiders and Dolphins are both teams that I think the Browns can surpass. Those teams, I mean, I don't want to take any credit away from what those teams have done, but they're, they're definitely teams that I think the Browns, on a good day, are better than. Yeah, I, the Browns with this back half of the schedule, like you said earlier, they should definitely be making it into the playoffs. And one thing that could help them is that the owners voted today to expand the playoffs to 16 teams, if more games were canceled due to COVID. And that's kind of just because there's less leeway now because teams have already had their bye week. So it would be basically next to impossible to make up those games. But if I'm in the Browns, I don't want to rely on a possible eight seed to make the playoffs. Because remember, Jack, the playoffs were already expanded before this year to make it seven. Right. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, A, it would take away from the kind of success that you get from Making the playoffs, it'd almost feel unearned if we made it as the eighth seed. But also, I just think that the Browns are good enough to to make that as a seven or higher. I definitely think the Browns can make it as a seven seed or higher. 
And one big question that the Browns will face if they even make the playoffs is, can they hang with the big dogs? In their games to both Pittsburgh and Baltimore, they lost by at least 31 or more in each game. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think that's even more of maybe a question for how they will fare in the playoffs, as, as every team they're going to be going up against is going to be a good team with a winning record. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. However, it's not it probably won't have a huge effect on whether we make the playoffs or not as like you said other outside of the three games against the Steelers Ravens and Titans all of the teams we play are at the bottom of the league with I mean I'm not going to sugarcoat it terrible records yeah and I mean you don't always want to depend on all of those games to win because sometimes you might just have a really bad day and drop one of those so it'd be nice to win a game versus Baltimore, or win one versus Pittsburgh, even though they, it might seem pretty out of hand for the Browns to do. And another big loss that the Browns had that wasn't in the win or loss column was star wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. He tore his ACL. So Odell had successful surgery on Tuesday, which is today. You guys will probably be listening to this after then. But, I, I mean, I think that's a huge storyline for the Browns, both in how they'll fare this season without Odell um, on the field, but also f- with Odell's future with the Browns. Honestly, I, I guess I'll ask this question now. Do you think o- Odell will ever play another snap for the Browns? He can be released or traded with no dead cap space in the spring. I highly doubt that the Browns will just cut him, but I, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting to see, especially if the Browns' offense has success and their passing offense has success without him. Will he be back next year? Personally, I think Odell will not be with the Browns again. And I know Andrew Barry has been asked a million times. This week during his press conference, he's like, I'm getting sick and tired of this question. It seems like reporters are asking it every week. Odell's part of our long-term plans. He's part of the future. But at the same time, Andrew Barry is like a smart, analytical guy. And OBJ's good, but he's just turned 29, and he's going to be coming off an ACL injury. So by the time a year passes and he's fully recovered... He's going to be a 30-year-old wide receiver making $15 million a year. So Andrew Barry on the analytical side sees all of these great wide receivers coming out of the draft or sees a lot of guys with value on other teams, someone like Brashad Perriman that could make a big impact at a low cost when you're already paying someone like Jarvis Landry who actually plays, nothing against Odell, but who plays and is also making $15 million a year. So I don't think they trade OBJ because he's injury-prone or because of his attitude or anything. I think they trade him because he'll be looking for someone at a lower price who can produce and will actually be on the field. Yeah, just going circling back, I mean, you may, it, I think both sides have a good argument as far as, like, this is a very legitimate question. I don't, I don't blame the media for asking this every single week. But at the same time, what is Andrew Berry going to say? They're going to trade him or cut him? Like, he, he obviously can't say that. So, it, I mean, you're not really going to hear much from the Browns front office until it actually happens or until we're closer to that, that time. But I, I kind of agree. I don't know if Odell will ever play another snap for the Browns. I think if anything keeps him here, it's the fact that he is coming off that injury. He's got the re- repertoire with Jarvis. I don't think the Browns want the, the um, kind of stigma of, you know, just moving on from a guy like Odell because they gave up so much and he's just not really had a smooth ride in Cleveland so far. So I wouldn't be surprised either whatever happens with either outcome, but um, 
I, I agree. For now, I think Odell has played his last snap with the Browns. Yeah, like you said, there's just so many ups and downs with it. Obviously, Barry can't say they're going to trade him. And when he's playing well, he plays at an all-pro level, for example, that game with Dallas. But then you also see all the stats of how Baker has a better completion percentage and all this and that when Odell's not on the field. So, I agree. I think I, think, I will say, though, I think we saw a little bit of, you know, Odell not perform or like the Browns offense without Odell because on the game versus the Raiders, they only had 122 passing yards on 12 completions. That's terrible. And, you know, again, I, I don't want to take away from the Raiders and I, they played a fantastic game, especially on defense, but they're definitely, that definitely kind of came back to bite them there a little bit. Yeah, if you're the Browns, you got to be able to go out if you do trade Odell Beckham Jr. and get a wide receiver that's fast and stretch the field against defenses. And that's something that the Browns offense will lack for the rest of the season and without Odell if they did trade him. One last thing I just want to say on this topic before we move on is I also think it's interesting to keep an eye on Jarvis Landry and his stats because in in Jarvis's first year with the Browns, he honestly, he wasn't great. I, he wasn't bad, but I think without that number one alpha receiver taking up, like, who demands that number one cornerback coverage, like, I think Jarvis is then going to struggle a little bit more because he's now seeing the number one cornerback in, in a lot of his snaps and routes. Um, so I think that's kind of the biggest thing to keep an eye on with this whole Odell situation. But moving on, we're going to talk about some second half storylines post by. We can talk about the first half for as long as you want, but honestly, at this point, we should just move forward. And I think the first thing that we want to start with is Baker being on the COVID list. Yeah, so this past Sunday, actually, Baker got placed on the COVID list. And he's tested negative, and he feels fine. But he was just in close contact with someone that did test positive for COVID. So this whole week, he's just been doing all of the meetings and practices virtually, Jack. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, I'm not even going to talk about what the outlook is for the Browns if they don't have Baker. That's a huge loss. But it does sound like everything's relatively positive coming out of that side of camp. We hope he will get better. It is. I just want to mention this quick, that four Steelers players are also on the COVID list, including Big Ben, as as Vance McDonald tested positive for COVID this last, I think it was Monday. So even if the Browns were out of, you know, of Baker's services, this, it's still possible to at least hold some ground or make up some ground against the 8-0 Steelers. Yeah, shout out Vance McDonald's. Hope you get better, man. But <laughs> Thank I, you, yeah. I think, I think if Baker's going to get placed on the COVID list at any time, this could be a good time because... The Browns have had two weeks to prepare for the Texans in their back half of the schedule. Obviously, you don't want your quarterback missing the, the whole week before of practice before a game, but, I mean, they've had time to prepare, and Coach Stefanski looks like he was already on top of it after the Raiders game, so hopefully they'll be back and be on top of their stuff. Our next second-half storyline, our major players returning from injury, Jack. Do you want to start with the first guy? Yeah, so... This comes as a big sigh of relief to everybody that Nick Chubb is going to be active for the next game, and he is coming back off of his MCL injury where he missed four weeks. And I'll list off some stats here real real quick, and then I can let you kind of give your opinions. But in the four games with Nick Chubb, he had 57 carries for 335 yards, four touchdowns, and averaged just about six yards a carry. And Kareem Hunt, it's interesting that Kareem Hunt has actually been worse 
without Chubb. And I think that comes as, came as a surprise to a lot of people as this offense was averaging 204 rushing yards per game with Nick. So people kind of, I think, expected Kareem to kind of pick up those numbers that Nick Chubb obviously couldn't produce being injured. Um, and he's actually, but Kareem's actually been worse. Kareem without Nick Chubb has had 65 carries for 256 yards, zero touchdowns. With Nick Chubb, he's had 50 carries for 275 yards and three touchdowns. Obviously, that's not including any receiving stats. But, I mean, yeah, the stats speak for themselves. He's been he's been not quite the same running back without Nick Chubb. Yeah, I think, I mean, I still think Kareem Hunt is a great running back, Jack. I, I would, yeah, no, I would yeah, place him in my top ten. But obviously, our, our running game has looked very bleak without Nick Chubb. And, I mean, it just looks, they don't have any breath. Like, they're not breathing. And with Nick Chubb coming back, you get that really potent offense back, potentially, depending on how healthy Nick Chubb is. But like you said, Kareem Hunt was much more effective with Nick Chubb there. They split carries. Two back systems are very prevalent in the NFL now. They work really well. You see them everywhere almost now. And two backs are just necessary because it keeps the running backs fresh and it keeps them not injured. And when And, and when, also, yeah. defenses only have to prepare for one guy now. They really only have to prepare for Kareem Hunt, whereas before they really had to focus on Nick Chubb. I mean, Kareem Hunt was kind of not an afterthought, but he was the secondary weapon that the Browns had, so he had more, you know, leeway to kind of do what he wanted to do. Yeah, and I really thought that Ernest Johnson was going to pick up some more carries after the Nick Chubb injury, but he really didn't. And they just kind of went with Kareem Hunt, and it really didn't work. So in the first four games this year, Nick Chubb rushed for 335 yards, four touchdowns, and 16 first downs, like Jack said earlier. With Nick, the team averaged 204 rush yards per game, but without him, they only averaged 95 rush yards per game. So when you have two backs wearing down the defense and splitting carries, it makes a a lot bigger effect for the Browns. Yeah, um, and I think it is kind of important to mention that Wyatt Teller, who's been arguably our best offensive lineman has been out for these last few games, which could be a reason why the, the rushing numbers are down a little bit. But ultimately, one guard has, is not going to make or break your offense. It's clearly a problem with Nick Chubb not being healthy. Yeah, and it will be amazing to get Nick Chubb back. But that's also a perfect segue to Wyatt Teller. So Wyatt was the number one guard per PFF with a grade of 94.4, Jack. Yeah, so number one guard, he was ninth in pass blocking at 78.2 and number one in run blocking at 93.9. Like I said, you know, one guard's not going to do it, and Chris Hubbard has actually stepped up and played pretty well in Teller's absence, but I think getting that combo of Teller and Nick Chubb back is going to do big things for the Browns offense. Yeah, it definitely will. You saw a lot of plays where they would pull Wyatt Teller and just he would be the lead blocker right in front of Nick Chubb, and I think... On one versus Washington, Nick Chubb scored like a 23-yard touchdown. So having those two back will make our offense a lot more explosive. Yeah, so moving on, Austin Hooper is another guy who is coming back to the offense. He's missed the last two games with a appendic- appendicitis, I believe it is. You know, he, he was really starting to kind of pick up, started gelling with Baker in his last few games before he got injured and... In six games, he had 22 receptions for 205 yards and a touchdown. In the last three games, he had seven 
10 and 6 targets. So the majority of those targets in production came in those last three games. And, and like I said, he really started to kind of gel and develop some chemistry with Baker right before he left. Yeah, and someone who stepped up in his place was Harrison Bryant, who had seven receptions, 81 yards, and two touchdowns in those two games. But it really seemed, like you said, Baker was starting to gel really, really nicely with Austin Hooper. And it, it was what the Browns envisioned when they signed him this offseason and gave him the biggest tight end contract. I mean, Hooper's the 11th ranked tight end right now, according to the PFF, with a grade of 72.6. But if he didn't miss those two games, I'm sure he would be higher. And he's a great, great receiving tight end. And he's just another safety option that Baker can look to on a big third down or in the red zone. Yeah, and I think it's also important to say not just receiving too. Like, he's a really good blocker. It's something that, that doesn't really show up on the stat sheet. Yeah, he's a, he's a great blocker. That could have also been part of why the rushing attack was down a little bit. And then like also, like you said, Harrison Bryant did step up, but the majority of that production came in that one game versus the Bengals. He kind of had a down game versus the Raiders. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's a rookie. Um, he's shown flashes. I think he'll be great for the, for the Browns for many years to come. But you can't really rely on a, on a rookie tight end who are who those guys are notoriously known for not really producing in their rookie years to kind of carry that look. So I think getting Cooper back along with everyone we've mentioned previously is going to do big things. Yeah, Jack, it will be super nice to get Austin Hooper back. Like you said, it's hard to depend on a rookie like Harrison Bryant as it's, it's really tough to just transition into NFL and make that big of an impact. And like you saw that fumble versus the uh, Raiders last week on that big drive, that could have put the Browns over the top, yep. gave them a better chance to win that game. And speaking on another rookie, who will be making his return next week is linebacker Jacob Phillips. Yeah, so Jacob Phillips, he's only played three games this year. He was our third-round pick out of LSU. PFF hasn't been kind to him. He's graded pretty poorly at 44, with a grade of 44.2. However, he's shown some flashes, and at the end of the day, it's his rookie year. He's only played three games. I'm sure that has a pretty big factor into it. Um, so I'm not going to – you got to kind of take that grade with a, a grain of salt. But um, I think with a depleted linebacker core and with Mac Wilson not really having a great year so far, that's definitely just going to help with depth and, and everything in general. Yeah, this Browns defense right now can kind of take any help that they can get. So hopefully Phillips can come in, make a, a somewhat of a big role, and make an impact with this defense. Yeah. So those are the guys that are those are the significant guys that are going to be coming back from injury. So moving on, I just want to talk about some game by game predictions with with how this season's going to end up. So in Week Ten, the Browns play the Houston Texans who are 2-6. and six. I think the number one thing here is just going to be the passing offense. How, how is this passing offense going to rebound from that poor performance versus the Raiders where they only put up 122 passing yards total um, and zero touchdowns? I think that's going to kind of be the big thing to watch with, with this Texans offense. So at the end of the day, could get really hot at any time. Yeah, I, I hope that that passing offense could come back and have a big game. But at the same time, I'm not expecting too big of a game from the passing offense because the Texans have been really, really bad against the run this year. So if Nick Chubb is fully back and healthy, I'm going to be expecting the Browns to try to run it down their guts the whole game. Our next matchup is a Week 11 game versus the Philadelphia Eagles, who are 3-4-1. and one. And the Eagles are actually first in the NFC North. God knows how. They're not a good team at all, but I feel like they're a team that could give the Browns a run for their money. 
Yeah, I agree. I think both of these games versus the Texans and Eagles are kind of trap games in the sense that obviously you're going to go into them expecting to win, but I mean, if, if, if the defense gives a poor performance, these offenses have shown with Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz that they can be good at times. So I think these are two games that we, we despite the fact that I, we should win both of these games, are, are definitely games that the Browns cannot take lightly. Yeah, and one game that comes after both of these that I think the Browns could take a little more light is a Week 12 matchup versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are 1-7. and seven. Yeah, the Jaguars look like they're in full tank mode at this point. Gardner Minshew's missed last game, and he's likely going to miss a few more games in the future. It's very possible that he does not play versus the Browns in Week 12. The Jacksonville Jaguars, like you said, are 1-7. They do not look very good. They just lost to the Houston Texans last week. So I think if we can put up a good performance versus the Texans, we should have no problem beating up on the Jags. Yeah, give me the Lutt, Jake Lutton in Jacksonville. He's an all-star quarterback. But no, for real, the Browns should totally win this one. They should kind of glide over it. But they can't also play lackadaisically because we know how the Browns play when they do that. Moving on to Week 13. The Browns face a 6-2 and two Tennessee Titans squad, Jack. So the Titans started off really hot going 5-0 in their first five games. I mean, they've cooled off a little bit going 1-2 and two in their next three. I mean, we all remember what the Titans did to us week one of last season. This is going to be our first hard game since the Steelers game, really. I mean, sure, the Raiders too, but I, I think as far as difficulty of the opponent goes, this is a game that I Honestly, smart money says the Titans are probably going to win. But I think absolutely the Browns can give the Titans a real run for their money here. Yeah, I mean, you're going into Music City playing the Titans team. But this is a revenge game for the Browns. The Titans absolutely embarrassed them last year, week one. And most of those guys are still on this roster. So they're going to have something to prove with this game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns came out with a W just because of the history here. Yeah, and I also want to think say that between the Titans, Ravens, and Steelers, which I think are the three games that I kind of expect the Browns to maybe lose, I think this game honestly might be the game that I think the Browns have the best chance to win. Obviously, that depends if the Steelers are benching guys in Week 17. In fact, they're 8-0, and they've probably already virtually clinched the playoff spot. But I, I definitely think this is a game that's a possible win for the Browns. However, I'm not expecting huge things. Another tough game that the Browns will have the week after is a Week 14 matchup versus the Baltimore Ravens, who are 6-2. and two. And coming in with a little bit of a hot take here, I'm going to say the Browns don't make the playoffs this year if they don't beat the Ravens Week 14 or the Steelers Week 17. Hmm. That is a hot take. I, I mean, yeah, I, I can definitely see how losing getting swept by both those teams who are in our division would definitely, definitely hurt the Browns' chances at the playoffs. With that said, the Browns are going to have to really step up in these games that they should win because I, I don't think you can really rely on them beating the Ravens or the Steelers the way that they've played them in these previous two games. I mean, the thing is, I feel like this Ravens team that the Browns played week one was kind of better than the Ravens are right now. I would agree with that. I think they still had some momentum carrying over from last season in that game. Since then, the Ravens have struggled a little bit. They haven't been the, the, the Ravens of last year. 
and it, it is a winnable game like the Titans, but yeah, I mean, that's it's going to be a tough, hard-fought battle, and I, I do expect the Browns to give up more of a effort, more of a war in this game. So moving on to the next two games, the Browns will be playing in New Jersey for two weeks straight. Week 15, they face the 2-7 and seven New York Giants. In week 16, they face the 0-9 New York Jets. Yeah, so without, I mean, I'm not going to lie. These are must-win games. These are games that the Browns should absolutely roll in. The Giants with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is 1-17 versus every game that's not the Washington Redskins. So this is a game <laughs> that the Giants should, or the Browns should absolutely win. And then the New York Jets, I think, are, I mean, they did put up a, a good performance on Monday night against the Patriots, but the, the Jets are the worst team in the NFL, and that goes without saying. So I think both of those games are going to be damaged to the Browns. Yeah, the Browns have absolutely no excuse to lose either of these games. If you lose one of these, I don't think the Browns are making the playoffs at all, Jack. I, yeah, I think that's a lock. If, if you lose one of these games, it's almost a lock. The Browns are not making the playoffs. And moving on to our Week 17 matchup versus an 8-0 and Pittsburgh Steelers. So back in May, Jack, me and you said in our Browns schedule preview that watch the Browns' whole destiny and fate of the whole season come down to a Week 17 game versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. And there's certainly a possibility that it could. Yeah, so the last few years, the Pittsburgh Steelers have kind of benched some starters here, and I... And I I don't want to say I hope that happens because I'd much rather beat a fully rostered Pittsburgh Steelers. But, yeah, I totally agree. I think this game is going to be very big in, in terms of, you know, if we make the playoffs or not because at the end of the day, if, if we drop these two to the Ravens and maybe we have a, we drop one more, this game is going to be a must win. So this will be an interesting game, like I said, against the Ravens. I think this will be a much harder fought game than what it was earlier on in the season. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if the Steelers did bench their starters, but like you said, that's not something you want to rely on. And you get them at home, so finally you'll have a chance to kind of end that big bench streak of wins at home because we did beat them at home last year, but they were playing Mason Rudolph. So the Browns are going to have a vengeance going into this game after what happened at home last year with fans packing the stadium and with the Steelers beating on them earlier this year. Yeah, so final record prediction. We both agreed on this one. Um, I said 10 and 6. I also said 10 and 6. Yeah, I, I think we, we win the game versus the Texans. We win versus the Eagles. Win versus the Jags. Lose the Titans. Lose the Ravens. Beat the Giants. Beat the Jets. Lose to the Steelers. I, I, I mean, that's pretty chalk. I kind of, that's what I think most people would expect. But I, I could see one of these games, maybe we beat the Titans, Ravens, or Steelers and we drop one of the games that we should win. Either way, I think 10-6 and six is a pretty pretty good estimate for where the Browns are going to end up. Yeah, like you said, beat the Texans, beat the Eagles, beat the Jags, lose to the Titans, lose to the Ravens, beat the Giants, beat the Jets, lose to the Steelers. Two games that I think that could flip-flop from a win to a loss could be either the Texans or the Eagles. And two games that I feel like could flip-flop from a loss to a win are the Titans or the Ravens, Jack. So I would look for an upset in either of those four games. So that about does it for our post or second-half preview podcast. Um, 
I hope that these storylines hold true and that the Browns can rebound from that loss against the Ra- Raiders and, and secure a playoff spot. Be the first time they made the playoffs since what two thousand seven? Something crazy like that. Something crazy. I don't. Know. I could be wrong, but I would love to see the Browns in the playoffs this year. And I'm looking forward to our next episode. Yeah, check in soon for our next episode. We will be doing a Cavs draft recap. It was great having you on, Jack. As always. And shout out Tony. We'll catch you guys later. Peace. And thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Black Lions Beats on YouTube. We'll have a link to it in the description. Make sure you all go give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the hottest underscore take pod. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all.